On this episode of Fantasy NFL Today, I welcome on a special guest to help me break down everyone's favorite team. Definitely most favorite team. No one hates this team at all. And of course, I am speaking of the New England Patriots as we continue our search for the best fantasy options in the AFC East. Also, I will be releasing my biggest and most confident bet of the offseason that involves this team. You won't want to miss it. Be sure to stick around until the end of the pod to find out what bet that is. And it all starts now. Welcome to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by HoopBall. Today is Tuesday, July 13th. I am your host, Anthony Germain, and you can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Talking Sunday, all one word on Twitter. And today, we continue our trek through that nasty, nasty, nasty northeast corridor where the weather is just as brutal as the people can be at times. And yes, I'm allowed to say that because I'm from the area, I'm from Philadelphia, and Trust me, the people can be nasty. So yesterday we had an awesome episode where I pinpointed two really good sleepers for everybody to go out and get from the division rival New York Jets. So if you missed the show or any of our episodes for that matter, make sure to go back and get caught up so you can dominate your leagues. So today I'd like to welcome on a very special guest of mine. He's a personal close friend and an avid fantasy football player that I personally share three separate leagues with you can find him on twitter at will brown that's spelled w-i-1-1 brown and i'm assuming that 1-1 is the number 11 for his former favorite nfl player julio jones will welcome to the show thanks for having me it's great to be here congrats again by the way this is uh, pretty cool that you you get to do this Thanks. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. But what, am I correct about that? I, I actually didn't realize that until I was, um, I was It kind of, <laughs> it worked out that way. It was more to, uh, obviously, like with a common sounding name or common name like Will Brown, uh, right. the handles aren't always available or, you know, things like my Gmail and stuff. You can hardly ever get like just yeah. your name. And so you don't want all I those numbers on a, the end of your handle there. Yeah. People thinking you're a bot. No, so I did it. Exactly. So I did it as like, uh, it's like, oh, like ones and L's look alike and it was available. And I think someone had pointed that out to me actually not that long ago. And I was like, oh, like happy accident. Not so happy anymore, of course, but. Uh. <laughs> right. And real quick, I actually, I, I have to ask you, since you are, uh, you know, a, a Falcons fan and a Julio Jones fan, are you, mm-hmm. real quick, just real quick. Uh, what are your, what are your, what are your thoughts of Julio leaving? It was tough. I mean. There was obviously talks about it for a while leading up to uh, up to it with, you know, speculation that they were going to trade him just because of their cap situation. And Thomas Dedroff uh, and that old front office didn't leave, uh, leave them in a good position with some of those salaries and those contracts. Uh, so it was kind of like in the air. I did for a bit there think like, oh, maybe it won't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, uh, Shannon Sharp call on undisputed, it, uh, that was kind of a shock. Like, what did I just hear? Like that was, you know, that's like definitely happening now. So 
a little disappointed we didn't get more than the second rounder for him. I get it. Like, it's, you know, he's 32, I think, now. He hasn't had a fully uh, healthy, like, Julio year in, in a couple of years now. And but uh, and the contract's obviously a huge amount. They, uh, you know, we're able to get Tennessee to pay for the whole thing, which is, is good. But, yeah, COVID, COVID really uh, sucks. <laughs> that, uh, you know, the salary cap coming down really, I think, through a lot of teams in right. a bad position, and Falcons just had to be one of them. Yeah, and I, th- I think he, I think it's a smart trade for the Falcons, who are kind of in a rebuild with the new system and new coaching staff down there. So, um, especially getting up there in older age, you know, get 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 him get him away and uh, get a nice return while you can. I, I don't think it was a bad move. So before we get into the fantasy talk here, I have a special announcement. At the end of this pod, I will be I will be releasing my biggest bet of the off season, my most confident bet. That for you as the audience, you could take it or leave it and decide to do with whatever you'd like with it. But I have placed a substantial amount on this pick. The pick will be released once we get through the Patriots talk. And I love, 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 love this future bet. Okay. Will, we have an excellent show planned for everyone listening today. We are breaking down the New England Patriots. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That's right, the evil, uh, the evil empire. empire. You got it, you got it. That once dominated the league for two decades under the leadership of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. But those days have seemed to be gone, not only in real life, but the fantasy outlook hasn't been that great, especially last season, right? Yeah, no, it's been, uh, It's. I think. I think it was really opening kind of everyone's eyes as far as like, oh, like, you know, I mean, obviously all the Brady uh, stand out there were, you know, arguing for him, but it, it really did kind of show you just how depleted this team was of offensive talent, especially when you pull him out. Right. When we saw Cam Newton go in there, um, he didn't really have a full off season with the Patriots. He kind of got signed late. Damian Harris was a nice spark there before he went down with a, I think it was a finger injury and kill Harry never really panned out as their first overall pick. And the tight ends were really atrocious. I mean, they were rolling out, I think with a guy named Ryan Izzo as their starter. So not, yeah. not overall a great fantasy um, perspective or outlook that the Patriots had last season for most players. And it's still kind of bad as we look forward into this 2021 season. It's not quite as bad as the division rival Jets, but the first player coming off the board as a Patriot isn't coming off until the mid seventh round. And that's of all positions, running back, wide receiver, tight end or quarterback. Do you have any idea who that might be? I have a hunch. It, uh, it's, it's one of the uh, running backs, one of the young running backs they have. Which one? Um, Mr. Damian Harris Ding, 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 ding Correct, Damian Harris Why don't we start here Let's start at the running back position for the Patriots Let's start with their quote-unquote Most popular player on the team now, we both know over the years predicting a New England running back is, trying, is like trying to predict the weather here on the East Coast. It's just super volatile. One week they're putting in Damian Harris. Next week is Sony Michelle. Next week is James White. Next week is somebody off the street, you or I. Um, it's very confusing. <laughs> but there were games yep, that you watch definitely. and you would go, oh, wow, like Damian Harris, like he's good. And it's, it's really not that shocking considering he was a former Alabama running back. And he started 10 games, 
actually led the team in rushing with 691 yards and only two touchdowns. Not much, not much through the air on the receiving end with only 50, 52 yards. And we both know that the Patriots do enjoy those running backs coming out of the backfield, little dinks, little dunks. But it did seem like he was going to be the guy at times. Now, his current ADP, again, is sitting as, as a seventh-round pick. Is there some value here, or should we still proceed with caution? I think there's value. I mean, it obviously depends on how you uh, you go about with your draft strategy. Uh, listening to your first few episodes and being in you know multiple leagues with you, uh, I I know that you are in the camp of that you call it the robust running back drafting. Yeah. Get your uh, your three guys early and build that stable foundation. Well, it's um, not for it's your not team. it's not so much. I should clarify that, actually. It's not so much going running back, running back, running back, one, two, three, and that's it. I'm only really selecting a third running back in that third round if there's a guy that makes sense. Otherwise, I'm usually going to take a premier wide receiver there. But I do like to come away with three running backs within the first five rounds. Right, exactly. So if you're doing that, then you should feel pretty good about that position. Um, Obviously, you know, we can't all predict injuries and you kind of leave the draft. (laughs) yeah expect or not expecting but hoping for the best um but if you've if you've done that uh if your listeners are going to go with uh that as their hard you know steadfast strategy damien harris probably isn't something they're someone they're looking at for their team uh when you get to the seventh round and you've got you know those those stable that running back core for your guys the three in the first five rounds you're talking when you're in that sixth seventh eighth you're trying to, you know, get those wide receivers and get as many of those, uh, you know, try, I call them lot, like they're not lottery tickets yet at that point, but you're trying to get some good, good value at wide receiver probably in that, in those rounds. Maybe if there's a tight end that you like. Right. And the interesting thing here to consider is that Sony Michelle actually gained more yards on the ground per carry than Harris did. Sony Michelle finished the season with 5.7 yards per carry to Harris's five yards per carry. I know yards per carry is not the greatest indicator anymore, but might we be overlooking Sony Michelle as a late 16th round pick or somebody that's going undrafted? I don't believe so. Um, from what I've heard out of uh, camp from the beat writers and, and you know sources there, it sounds like Damian Harris is far and away, um, you know, has control of this backfield talent-wise. I think we can all you know, except that Sony Michelle was a, you know, unfortunately bad pick for the uh, Patriots. I mean, it's a first rounder 2018 and he hasn't shown us anything to show, you know, that he deserves to get any real share of this uh, backfield. Damien Harris, I think is very promising, uh, runs well, uh, you know, guy they got and still, you know, young, talented guy in the third round. So not a throwaway pick at all. I think what we're going to see out of this team is going to be a lot of a lot of Damian Harris, uh, some James White coming out of the uh, you know the surpassing arms, and maybe uh, you know some peaks in at the new rookie, uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Right, and both of those guys are going undrafted again. I don't think any of those guys, even maybe a Rex Burkhead, are not worthy of rostering on any teams. Um, no, Rex Burkhead's on the Texans now, so oh. I would. Uh, <laughs> You're right. But I do agree. He's, he's, he's not worthy. <laughs> You're right about that. I missed that. There you go. So, But anyway, so the rookie, uh, Ramadre Stevens and James White, I think more valuable to the team, New England Patriots, uh, on, on Sundays than they are in, on fantasy rosters. So that's that. Um, and I think it's a shame that they don't stick to one running back. I hope that they stick to uh, Damian Harrison or Damian Harris because that offensive line, man, it's just so dominant. 
especially in that run game. It is very, it's very strong. So it is, uh, you know, and it's having a, assuming Cam Newton is going to be, uh, I, I at least predict he will be the starter week one. Um, not really sure if we'll see Mac Jones this year, midway through the year. If an injury happens, of course, that opens it up. But the rushing quarterback um, talent that Cam has also has statistically shown to benefit running backs in their efficiency and uh, you know, ability to really contribute on the offensive side. It's it's just kind of a staple thing to look for um, and consider when when looking at the value of some of these players. Right, um, and that's that's kind of what I was getting to here with the offensive line um, with Cam Newton his special ability to run. I mean, the, that offensive line is just filled up front with Maulers. I mean, they have Isaiah Wynn. This guy, Michael Unwenyu, I think his name is, had a fantastic rookie season. Uh, Shaq Mason is in there as the right guard. And then they brought in Trent Brown from the Raiders on the right side of that line. So Newton, as you were saying, is pretty much penciled in there. I, w- I would assume, that's what I said, penciled, is as the starters, the opening day starter. And he really didn't have a good season last year. He signed with the team late, like I said earlier in the pod. And maybe that factored into a little bit of his woes early on, um, but they did play into his unique skill set by using him as the runner, which also takes away from the running back position of what we just talked about, which is why I'm also wary of these running backs. Um, Newton actually finished with a league-high 12 rushing touchdowns, but his inability to pass the ball effectively really held the team back offensively. So as Newton is going pretty much in all these drafts as a late or early 16th round pick, virtually undrafted. Are we looking for Cam Newton to rebound a little bit now that he's had a full offseason under his belt, or, or or is Cam Newton cooked here? Are we are we not even considering him as a QB2 on our rosters? He may um, rebound a little and show some value. I mean, his rushing ability has always kind of kept him, and this is true for you know, the quarterback position in fantasy in general, that the – the floor is generally higher for those rushing QBs. So um, he's definitely not going to like be that spark plug that he used to be and really get you some, you know, ability to win your league type points. He may have like a game or so. I don't know if you remember the Seattle game last year. He really, uh, put up a lot of numbers for, for them in that game. Oh, but I, I remember that then, game. The... I, I lost a lot of money on that game. <laughs> I know you. Did. I was in. I was actually in heat, and I and I did it. I was a little intoxicated, and I tried to get all my money back on that game, and I lost with a with a failed uh, last or what was it? There was a couple seconds left in the game, and they they it was the they, uh, they ran it on the goal. Yeah, but they line. did a like boot. A, they didn't sneak it up the middle. Like Cam Newton weighs how how yeah. much does he weigh? Two hundred and thirty pounds or something like that. Like sneak it up the middle. What are I they think booting even it more. out? To? I think it's like two sixty. Yeah. <laughs> and they're trying to boot it out to the left with Bobby Wagner chasing his ass down. Yep, yep, yeah. That was uh, questionable for sure. We uh, and we were all kind of shocked watching that one. I remember, but um, yeah. I as far as fantasy goes, I he's. I'm not drafting him anywhere. Uh, maybe if you uh, are in a super flex league and you need a, a third quarterback for your backup, mm. or you want to, you know, you didn't, you went strong with a quarterback early and you waited on the second one, um, use him as a serviceable QB two. I tend to not have a second quarterback on my roster coming out of a redraft league with a, a single quarterback um, position to start with. So for me, I'm not, I'm not touching any of these uh, Patriots quarterbacks. 
Yeah, and I'm not either. I think there's a lot more value for QB2. Somebody like a Carson Wentz that might have a good rebound that they're down there in Indy. Somebody like a Trey Lance that you could take a gamble on as a QB2 if he flourishes. I just don't yep. see – I think Cam Newton's hit his ceiling a long time ago when they went to the Super Bowl. He's never really returned to that form. Um, I would call that year maybe a fluke. But I, there's, there's just way more opportunity at the QB2 position to be wasting a roster spot on Cam Newton. As far as, far as Mac Jones goes, now Mac Jones is interesting because he's kind of like a machine coming out of Alabama. You know, he's in Alabama, mm-hmm. he was surrounded by the best talent in basically the country. And yep. now you put him in a similar system in New England where you have professional receivers and you have professional tight ends. And can he be that same machine that he was in Alabama? I don't think we, I mean, at least not this early. He's definitely a quarter, which is why it was so shocking when the media was reporting that he was the favorite for uh, Kyle Shanahan pick with that third pick when they made the trade up, the uh, the 49ers. He's not a, he's not ready, in my opinion, to come out and light the world on fire. Like, you know, he's not the, you know, Trevor Lawrence or the, I mean, we'll see what happens with Zach Wilson or, or you know, Justin Fields. Like, those guys were, you know, pro-ready and, and expected to, uh, you know, really come in and, and uh, be effective right away. Like, we've seen a lot more young quarterbacks do lately. Mac Jones is, I mean, not saying he couldn't be, but it is, uh, you know, seeing what he had to work with in Alabama. Like, I mean, they had three three offensive first-round picks um, on just skill positions drafted this year. So uh, outside of him. So, you know, you have Devontae Smith, Waddle, um, and Najee Harris obviously all go in the first round. And then, you know, year before that, you have uh, Ruggs Jerry Judy. and Jerry Judy. Uh, I mean, he's just always had always had guys to work right. with. Right, and obviously we're not drafting Mac Jones in redraft leagues uh, just because, you know, again, Cam Newton is penciled in as a starter. But, you know, it's just interesting to think that if Cam Newton does get benched that we might he might be an option somewhere down the line. I mean, P- P- Jones did produce the second-highest passing grade in college football last season. His underneath accuracy is basically, like, really 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 good and that's really the key the key to the success at the nfl level and he was the most accurate quarterback in the country on passes thrown under 10 yard downfield so and i just think that when you look at the new england offense that's pretty much what they do man they just they they're they're really a dink and dunk style offense that's that 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 builds off that run in the backfield so i do think if something were to happen to cam newton if he were to get benched um i do think he would really make for an interesting waiver wire ad I don't disagree. I think, um, I, I mean, anytime that happens, you've got to, you know, you're midway through the season. There's been injuries at that point. People are looking for, you know, any sort of new way at some competitive advantage over their league mates. Um, I mean, look at, you know, who thought Jalen Hurts would have been any value last year, and he comes out and gets like, you know, 35, 40 points a game. Um, That's my Eagles. Season for some teams needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, you never know. I mean, like, I don't think we expect that from Mac Jones, just not having that rushing upside like Jalen does. But uh, certainly, if Cam Newton gets hurt, which isn't you know a crazy thing to, um, I don't say predict injuries here, but he's yeah, he's no, had history right. of it. Um, Mac Jones is de- yeah, I would say he'd be in the waiver wire discussion for sure if uh, 
Newton went down. But for redra- for uh, for drafting right now, or you know, going into the season, there's no re- there's no reason in a non super flex league that uh, you should have either of these two on your roster uh, coming out of the draft. Completely agree, one hundred percent. So now that we discussed the quarterback situation, let's take a look at these nasty, filthy, filthy, ugh, wide receiver court. The Pats went on an absolute spending spree this offseason, which is totally out of character for them. I mean, when was the last time? Yep. When was the last time we you seriously saw the New England Patriots buy almost every single free agent available in the in free agency? Never, right? Nope. Yeah. But I think they were so desperate because how bad their receiving core was last year, and then the fact that Julian Edelman retired, which I'm also surprised that he didn't go down to Tampa Bay to try to join his butt buddy Tom Brady. But they did bring in. They did bring <laughs> everyone in. Everyone else did, right? What's that? I said everyone else did, yeah, exactly. right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. But <laughs> but they did bring in um, former Eagle and Raider Nelson Aguilar and former wide receiver, uh, former 49er Kedrick Bourne. Who, although I don't think Kendrick Bourne is a fantasy is a good is good for anybody on any fantasy roster, I think we can agree with that. But is good is more a New England Patriot type receiver. I could see him being really successful there. They also still have Nikhil Harry, who has never panned out from being his from what he was supposed to be um, from his first round selection last year, and Jacoby Myers, who has surprisingly been pretty good for that team. He led the team with 729 yards. He had no touchdowns, but I still think he'll play a major role in this offense this year. So which of these receivers, if any, are worth rostering on your fantasy team? It's interesting. Um, So let's just take, you know, in my opinion, some of the obvious things off the table here. Kendrick Bourne, like you said, don't, you know, could be a good player. We'll see, but not anyone you should be looking for uh, fantasy leagues um, at the draft. Nikhil Harry, uh, another disappointing first-round pick by the Patriots, which you've seen as a trend. Hopefully, for Mac Jones' sake, that doesn't continue. Right, and I think I think, um, I, but think he, I think Nikhil Harry's actually looking to be traded too. Yes, he did. The agents, uh, his agents, had requested a trade, and you know, I think they just recognize um, that the Patriots have. You know, it's clear who they're going with to uh, get more snaps. Um, interestingly enough, Jacoby Myers. Uh, same same draft class, undrafted, and we're talking about him. He's probably going to be starting off with Nelson Aguilar. It's always those guys with the Patriots, all these undrafted guys that end up being their starters. It's it's yeah. absolutely insane. I know it is. It's it's crazy. I mean, Belichick has notoriously been uh, pretty bad at identifying receiver talent. Um, save like you know Julian Edelman, who's like a weight. You know, I think he's like a seventh round pick when he was drafted. Obviously, out of the league now, but. Yeah, they uh, when they draft receiver high, um, it's never it's good. It's been it's never it's it's been historically pretty bad. Yeah. So what about Aguilar? Because he's the only wide receiver that's really being drafted in leagues. I I think I I see him going as a thirteenth round pick, and he's had some value in the past. I mean, he had his woes in in Philadelphia with his drop passes, but he actually had a pretty decent season last year with the Raiders. I don't have the stats in front of me, but. He, he was pretty he, – he, he became almost like their number one receiver at times because Henry Ruggs wasn't really, you know, their go-to guy. He was kind of, you know, you know me. I hate, I hate those boomer bust speed guys, and that's what basically what Henry mm-hmm. Ruggs is so far. Um, so right. Nelson Aguilar pretty much took on that number one wide receiver role. Yeah, no, he's interesting to me. Um, 
Obviously, I'm, I'm sure you still have a lot of love for him from his Philadelphia days. Nope. Notoriously good hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he, uh, yeah, he's interesting. I mean, obviously, and I hate it when people do this, but it's the fact. I mean, he's first first round pick, so he had a, a pedigree coming out of college. Um, disappointing for Philadelphia. Notorious, um, you know, dropping ball. Uh, I, I don't know if that's just a you know we see that with the Philly sports every once in a while you get the you get those guys that have talent with the yips and they just can't uh, can't shake it so they got to change the scenery. Um, I know, so with Vegas it was he yeah he put up a good season he put up just under 900 yards eight touchdowns um, started in only 13 games started he is and his yards per reception was a career high 18.7 so right. I, I think don't we think see that's that bad. number come. No, that's good, um, and I think we see that number regress to the mean a little bit more and, and come down, especially uh, coming to this offense. Their car is underrated with his deep ball, so you saw him benefit from that last year hmm. uh, with Cam Newton at the helm. You're going to not see that uh, that average depth of target is going to be is going to be lower. So I think we're going to see on the yards per reception, um, kind of him come back down to probably something, uh, you know, back where he normally was, which is about like 12, 13. Um, but he's going, in, I believe, the like eleventh, twelfth round or so in in redraft leagues. I don't hate uh, taking a flyer on him that late. I mean, at that point in your draft, you're kind of taking lottery tickets anyway. And you know, based on the contract and you know the rest of the talent on the field there, he is presumably going to be the uh, wide receiver one for that team. So you gotta, you can't, you know, not take a look at a guy who's projected to be the, uh, you know, first look in the uh, passing offense in, you know, on any team, really. Well, I got to say, this is the exact reason I brought you on the pod, spitting out awesome knowledge, great, great knowledge right there. I really didn't consider the Derek Carr deep ball compared to the Cam Newton deep ball where he basically overthrows the shit out of everybody. Um, <laughs> yep. Great stuff right there. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. I think I'm still out on pretty much every single receiver on this team. I don't think I will own any of them, even though I do go wide receiver uh, later in the draft. But now that wraps up that. And now for the exciting part. This is my this is this is where I find the value in the Patriots, William. I want these tight ends. Give me those tight ends. Give me them now. Give me give me both of them even. Give me both of them. Oof. The Patriots' offense Oof. has always been predicated off of great tight end play, and now they have two really good tight ends that they brought in through free agency during their spending spree. Hunter Henry, who is coming over from the Chargers, who once finished as the eighth-best tight end in fantasy football back in 2019, and Jonu Smith, who was a force for the Tennessee Titans, finished as the ninth-best tight end last season. Henry's ADP is sitting as a late 10th round pick, and John O. Smith is sitting as a late 12th round pick, or maybe a little bit earlier. Are we about to see the return of the old Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez days? What do you think? Oh, it's so funny. I feel like me and you are just not seeing eye to eye on this what? team. Um, oh I'm definitely... <laughs> I Now, let me preface here a little bit. I, uh, I think the talent of... Um, John U. Smith, especially, is uh, really exciting. We saw Belichick, you know, no surprise that they they signed him because we saw Belichick talking about how um, he had said that John U. Smith was one of the, the best talents at the position in the NFL. Uh, the stake you're making mm -hmm. here is trying to, you know, relive the glory days of Gronk and the, uh, you know, 
Aaron Hernandez, and it's just those the talent that those two brought is just superior to what these two have to offer. And you're also, you know, trying to account for a Tom Brady led team where we just don't have that um, anymore with that with the Patriots with Kenton significant significant drop off in talent uh, passing the ball. Um, my well, my thoughts well, on these two is. Did you did you not hear what I just said? These two tight ends have finished in the top ten fantasy football in the last two years. And not only that, I don't think yeah. they need necessarily Tom Brady to do to, to feed the tight end. Tom Brady didn't really feed the tight end that, that often in Tampa Bay last season. It's that system. It's that Josh McDaniels offense in that New England system. And I just think last year they didn't have the tight end talent to, to roll that out so that they went through this, this super run-heavy uh, offense between Cam Newton and the running backs. But now that they bring in these, the, this, this top talent between Janu and Hunter Henry, I really do think that they're going to go back to you know involving these tight ends heavy and often. I do. Well, I'll tell you something, Anthony, a little nugget for you here. Um, top 10, when you talk about other positions, is, is generally a, you know, something of note and worthy. And with tight end, it just isn't. Um, looking at the numbers from last year, I'm looking at um, – you know, I already I know, know what you're, you're a standard say. guy, so I already know what you're gonna well, you're say. A standard after, guy, so I'll go with this. After the go. after the top, after the top, after, like two guys, they're all like super close within points of each other. I mean, yeah, T.J. Hawkinson standard scoring last year, 108 points, and then he was the fifth fifth finisher. I'm looking all the way down at Jared Cook at 12th, and he finished with 90 90 points. Only you know, only 18 point difference, just over one point a game. I mean, it's it's such a cluster of like media mediocrity in those middle rounds that being a top 10 guy is you're just kind of another guy. I don't see special, you know, opportunity from either of these two. I think John R. Smith has talent and it was really exciting when they did sign him, but I thought when Hunter Henry was also signed, it's just a recipe for, you know, tight end cannibalism on a, uh, you know, uh, with Josh, uh, can't think of the offensive coordinator's name McDaniels. right now. Um, Josh McDaniels, yeah, offense. I, I don't expect much from these two. Um, and listening to your earlier shows, I know your your uh, strategy is to wait on end. Um, I'm trying to leave the draft with one of those uh, top guys uh, if I can. Not you know too early on them, but that would you just have competitive advantage on the position. But if I'm you know, wait. If I end up waiting till the later picks to just take a guy and kind of play that hunt around a waiver wire for tight end game and make it work, uh, I'm probably not getting either of these two because I don't want to be spending a tenth round pick on you know a guy that I give just as much value to someone I can get in the 14th or 15th round. And that might be a valid point, um, but yeah, and you said it right on right on the uh, hit the head, hit the nail on the head there. Um, I yes, I am not. I know you are in the boat of getting you know a Darren Waller or a Travis Kelsey as early as you can. You know, not too early, like you said. But I just find that when you draft those guys that early in the round, you just fall so far behind at any position. If you if you draft the tight end in round two, now you're second running back or your first receiver is not as elite as they could be and like you said um, unless you're absolutely getting one of those guys they're all kind of mediocre so in my my world I just like to wait Um, and I just I think the 10th 11th or 12th round is a very appropriate spot to take no that's and that's that's valid I mean I'm not you know um, 
<laughs> I, I just I just think these guys. We don't see eye to eye on the tight end. Little t- no, and I don't think we we're not seeing eye to eye on the receivers either. I I I, I think what you're well, when you're not drafting on the, these not on later the guys receivers, but we do see eye to eye on exactly think, receivers overall. I'm talking about we don't see eye to eye on the the tight end overall position oh. when it comes to fantasy football. Correct. Yeah, we're we're very different in that. And uh, unfortunately for me, um, I was the I was holding the George Kittle injured bag last year, so it, I uh, did no service to my uh, cause by having a second round tight end not, not contribute at all. <laughs> and the other thing is too, like, say you get a tight end like Travis Kelsey, and you're like, oh great, I have this advantage because my tight end's so much better than you know majority of the league. Now, when he gets injured, your backup is your backup tight end is not valuable at all. See, like even if you draft an elite wide receiver where you would draft that tight end, I could still plug in a receiver that is probably worth double of what your backup tight end would be. So I think that's still super risky to take a tight end that early, considering your backup plan is really not that great. Yeah, no, I I get that. Um, the only thing I'll say to that is I don't, you know, try not to draft with, uh, and maybe this is where I go wrong, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to draft assuming a guy will get injured. So right, I, and that's, uh, that's not what I'm know, saying Travis at all. Kelsey, that's not what, that's not what I'm saying at all. It's just, it's just, I just think it's a lot to put as an investment early on when you really need to hit home runs or not even home runs. You just really need to hit a, a solid, like, uh, you need your players at the top to be consistent. And if that one player breaks down, now you're you're kind of screwed because you can't really backfill him as much as you could with another position, maybe like a running back or a wide receiver. That's all I'm saying. It's just it's just it's just too risky for me to take a, even a premium tight end that early. Totally. Okay, so that about wraps up the Patriots fantasy talk. I think we I think we uh, covered pretty much everything, right? Yeah, that's everything. I uh, we don't we don't talk about kickers or anything on oh, this God. show. I, 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 hope. I think you and I are in agreement on this too. We uh, I think we need to eliminate the kicker and possibly even the defense position. I'm ready to when you are. You just <laughs> say the word. Uh, okay, so let's move on to one of my favorite uh, segments and parts of the show. I like to talk about the betting market. I'm a huge, huge, huge player in the in the betting market. Um, I know you yourself like to dabble here and there. I do. I do dabble a little bit. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, so now, <laughs> for the big reveal, my biggest bet of the year so far during the preseason that I feel so confident in. And I'm even. I'm. I'm even looking at this as almost like an investment, like a stock dividend that's about to pay off. I okay. am taking the New England Patriots to win the division at plus three fifty. Wow. Meaning. That for every one hundred dollars okay. that you place on the New England Patriots, you will win. Your payout will be three hundred and fifty dollars. These are absolutely phenomenal odds for a team with a true pedigree, like a true winning pedigree. If you look at their history, I know they had Tom Brady, I know all this, blah blah blah. But Bill Belichick is still there, and they're coming off that down year, and they're looking to rebound, especially after watching and their old friend Tom Brady win that Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. You know for a fact. Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick, they did not like that, and they're going to be out to prove all the doubters wrong. You have to remember that half of their starters sat out or opted out for COVID-related reasons last year. So with a full roster, a favorable schedule, I'm looking for these Patriots to get back on track and remind everyone that they haven't gone anywhere. What do you think about that? 
I totally agree. Um, in the general premise, I mean, of the uh, for a lot of opt-outs by them uh, last year, especially on the defensive side of the ball, we're uh, we're definitely going to see them get back to that physical, um, you know, lo- some low-scoring games probably uh, from them, um, similar to what we saw a couple years ago when they uh, had one of the you know one of the top defense in the league. Um, it's yeah, I I totally see where you're coming from. I like the I love the value there. I get the sense you're trying to uh, locate your uh, famous Steelers division win oh, yeah. uh, mythology. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So those of you that, that don't, uh, pedigree type team, those of you that don't know, last year I placed uh, a future wager on the Pittsburgh Steelers to win the division at plus four hundred. Um, going into last year, Lamar Jackson was coming off his MVP MVP season. Uh, the Ravens were a heavy yep. favorite to win that division. Also, Ben Roethlisberger did not play uh, for, I think, like 95% of the season in 2019. Uh, he got injured pretty early. But with a healthy Roethlisberger back, you know, I was with you when I made the bet. I said, you don't ever give the Pittsburgh Steelers plus 400. It's a pedigree team. Yeah. And guess what? I mean, <laughs> I actually almost lost that bet. I almost lost that bet, Will. They started 11-0, and and then I think they lost five of their last uh, six games. And, all, and I was sweating. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they definitely made it interesting. Yeah, they finished 12-4 and on the year and obviously had the famous collapse against Cleveland in the playoffs. But, yeah, you, uh, you had held off, held off the Brownies there at the end. Yeah, and another problem a lot of people like to point out when I talk about this bet is that Buffalo. Buffalo's coming off a fantastic season, 13-3. and three. Uh, They're favored at the moment at minus 150, which is pretty significant. Yeah. And Miami is a close, secret, uh, close favorite, or I'm sorry, they are a close second to Third. New England. They're, they're favored to come in second place at plus 325, so just 25 cents short of what the New England Oh, are. they're favored. They're better odds, or they're... Uh... They have better odds to win the division. They have better odds to win the division than the Patriots do. Oh wow! Uh, Miami, I'm not worried about. They still have one of. They have a bottom three offensive line in the league. Also, Tua doesn't scare me. He 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 seems scared on the field. Uh, His teammates aren't really buying into him yet. So Miami, I still think is a work in progress. Uh, but Buffalo, the thing with Buffalo is this. They, uh, before I make bets like this, I like to go through every team's schedule. And Buffalo's schedule is very hard. They play back-to-back games against Washington and Houston, who are both coming off 10 days rest, back-to-back. Then they go on the road in Arrowhead against the Chiefs, followed by a primetime Monday night football game in Tennessee. They play division rival New York Jets coming off 10, 10 days rest. They also have a primetime Thanksgiving night game in New Orleans, and I know New Orleans isn't what they used to be, and we won't really know what we're going to get, but we're still going down into the Superdome. They also have a primetime Monday night football game against division rival Patriots, my team right here. So, um, oh, and they'll be coming off short rest in one of the most important games against Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, that is a really tough schedule. Am I not wrong about this? Like, I'm expecting big-time regression here. Like, Buffalo had a fantastic season last year. But to continue on about what I was saying about pedigree team, Buffalo's never been a pedigree team. Buffalo's never had, has never sustained success over a long period of time. Like, just look at your Falcons or my Philadelphia Eagles. Super Bowl run with the Falcons. My Philadelphia Eagles win the Super Bowl. What, what are we doing now? 
Like Buffalo fits the mold. Now, fits the now mold. we're drafting in the top ten. Is exactly. What we're doing. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> and Buffalo fits the mold of more of like an Atlanta Falcon or a Philadelphia Eagles. So, I think this bet. Everybody's sleeping on New England because of what they did last year. I just think that the, at these odds, this is the best possible bet you can make in the offseason. And I, like I said, substantial bet. I'm looking at it as an investment. I'm fully expecting this thing to pay off. Um, and that's that, man. Like, take it or leave it. This is what I'm. This is where I'm going. I don't hate it. I mean, it's definitely a good value. Um, and go back on Buffalo. They're the favorites for a reason. Um, I don't know if I expect total regression to you know being an irrelevant team anytime soon. I think Josh Allen has really really developed well into a one of the you know better uh, two way players. Or when I say two way, I mean having some rushing ability and threat. Uh, I said dual threat players. I guess I should have said right. um, his passing accuracy has gotten tremendous. Emmanuel Sanders now on that team. He Kelly too many spoilers. I guess we have the fewer Bill was episodes. No, no, it's great. <laughs> Coming it's great. Up and soon, you know I imagine, The but, other thing about Buffalo is they're returning their full coaching staff. Um, uh, yeah, Dabble. and that, that staff is obviously been, I think, really good. Right. I mean, look at Challen when he was coming out of Wyoming. It was you know one of those. Uh, he's got a lot of comps, I think, to the Trey Lance situation. They're hoping that um, he can develop into. Uh, a really good player with his talent, um, but maybe not, you know, pro ready right out of the gate uh, like some other guys. So Josh Allen is an example of, you know, why I, Josh Allen's uh, resurgence this year is why Trey Lance went third overall. So what I think that is, I, I expect a lot from the Bills. Um, I think they're going to be your biggest threat for that bet at that value plus 350. Um, I'm not worried about the Jets. For sure. The Dolphins are a really good roster, but the you know, Tua, I don't have much faith in Tua. Um, we'll see what they can do with, uh, you know, another year. Um, and just to, just to go off what you were saying, season. just my point, it's not that they're going to regress to, like, a 6 and, I guess, 11 team now. It's just they went 13-3. and three. There was something magical about that season last year. Like, we see these magical runs all the time. The Minnesota Absolutely. Vikings with Case Keenum. The Philadelphia Eagles, when they won the Super Bowl, we see these magical runs. I just think those magical seasons, they don't carry over. And I'm just looking for a little regression. I'm talking like, I think the Bills, I'm looking at like a 10-win season, possibly a 9-win season, to be completely honest with you. I, you know, And I don't know wow, if that's going okay. to make the playoffs. But a 10-win season is still not terrible. It's not terrible. I'm just, I'm not seeing them going 13-3 and again. Not again. No way. If you're yeah, if you, if you're setting the over under at nine and a half, I think I'd take the over. Um, but ten ten would be about where I'd put the floor for them, and I think that still makes the playoffs. Nine with seventeen weeks, uh, I don't think nine wins cut um, this year. So uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I like the I like the bet though. I think it's uh, some really good value, for sure. Well, I do too. And again, for the audience that's listening, take it or leave it for what it is. I'm not encouraging anybody to do anything on this show and as always bet responsibly. And that Absolutely. basically does it for our show today. Will, I will say the only reason I brought you on this show is to learn all your tips and se- secrets since mine are clearly out in the open now. It certainly wasn't for your knowledge <laughs> in the areas. As that has been pretty evident as your overall finishes in our leagues. <laughs> I, I do believe my uh, you referenced a draft picks of mine on an earlier episode. Forgot to mention I did still sneak. Ooh, 
unfortunately, we lost Will there due to technical difficulties on his end that we couldn't quite fix at the moment. Of course, I was only messing around with him at the end there. Will, thanks for coming on as a special guest. You were absolutely great. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Will Brown. That's spelled W-I-1-1 Brown, all one word. I look forward to having you on again to break down not only the Falcons episode, but possibly some other teams in the mix there. Again, you are fantastic, and I look forward to talking to you shortly. Well, that's our show for today. Hope everyone enjoyed it, and I'll be back tomorrow breaking down the Miami Dolphins. Lots to get through there as another team in this conference that seems to be heading in the right direction. You won't want to miss it. Until then, we'll catch you tomorrow. We'll be right back.